0: Welcome to the Doctors Washington Podcast.
1: On this episode of the Doctors Washington Podcast, we will discuss heart disease in women. Go Red for Women is an annual initiative by the American Heart Association to increase awareness of heart disease in women. Since its beginnings in 2004, this day is observed annually during the first week of American Heart Month, which is in February. Join us as we discuss heart disease and how to prevent it.
0: Let's start with the basics. A heart attack strikes someone every 43 seconds. Heart disease is sometimes thought to be a disease that mainly affects men. However, heart disease kills one in three women every year and is the number one cause of death in women. In fact, each year, heart disease and strokes cause death in women more often than all cancer types combined. It's also easy to think heart disease doesn't affect younger people and affects those over the age of 50. Actually, in women aged 20 years or older, nearly 45% are living with some type of heart disease. Even in pregnancy, 10 to 20% of women develop medical issues such as high blood pressure, preeclampsia, or gestational diabetes, just to name a few. These can increase the risk factors for heart disease later in life, and even during the postpartum period, heart disease is known to cause death in more than one in three new mothers, making it the number one killer of new mothers. African-American women are disproportionately affected because they have higher mortality related to pregnancy. Cardiovascular disease kills nearly 50,000 Black women every single year. Let's discuss
2: what a heart attack actually is. It happens when the blood flow that brings oxygen to the heart muscle is severely reduced or cut off completely. This happens because the arteries that supply the heart with blood can slowly narrow from a buildup of fat, cholesterol, and other substances called plaques. There are some risk factors that are really important to consider. Granted, only one in five African-American women believe they are personally at risk for heart disease. And a little over 50%, specifically 58% of African-American women know the signs and symptoms of heart disease. So there's some education that we need for nearly half of African-American women to learn the signs and symptoms of this disease. And then only about a third of African-American women know their greatest health risk is heart disease. Now, high blood pressure is one of those risk factors. African-American women have higher rates of high blood pressure it affects about 40 to 60% of Black women. So it's definitely something we need to consider. Studies have shown that high blood pressure in African-Americans is more severe than in Caucasian-Americans and develops earlier in life. Just over 50% of deaths related to high blood pressure happen in women. So this is something we should really care about. Another risk factor is diabetes, smoking. Obviously, smoking is a risk factor for a lot of different diseases and heart disease is amongst those. High cholesterol can set you up for issues with your heart. And the thing that a lot of people think about with high cholesterol is that you have to be overweight in order to have high cholesterol, but that's not true. You can be thin and have it. So it's definitely something your doctor should check on your annual exam. The American Heart Association recommends you start getting your cholesterol check at age 20 or earlier if your family has a history of heart disease. So this is something that we can catch really early and start treating You just got to do your part by going to your primary care doctor in order to get checked. Similar to smoking, obesity is also another risk factor for heart disease. And this is something that's sweeping the nation, particularly because our weight as Americans has gone up significantly over the years. And so definitely try to do what you can in order to stay active and keep your weight within a normal range. Lastly, if you don't have a lot of physical activity in your day. A lot of people think that, you know, they walk in order to get to their car or they walk around their job and so that's enough physical activity. But that's not quite it. There are parameters that your heart rate needs to get into in order for you to really say that you've had a significant amount of physical activity for the day. This can include running, walking, power walking. It could also include swimming or other exercises. So definitely consider adding those into your day. These are some of the risk factors that you can control. Now, there are other things that you can't control, like your age, people who are older tend to have trouble with heart disease, your gender, your family history, your race, or personal medical history of previous heart conditions. So definitely focus on those things you can control and control them in order to decrease your risk of heart
1: disease. Similarly to some of the risk factors that you have for heart disease, I wanted to highlight some of the symptoms that people can experience because some of the symptoms that women experience related to heart disease can be different than in men and often can be misunderstood for other things. The classic symptoms that everyone thinks about when we talk about having a heart attack or heart disease are extreme squeezing chest pain, shortness of breath jaw pain, or neck pain. But sometimes in women, they don't have these types of symptoms. They may occasionally get shortness of breath, but they can also have nausea and vomiting, indigestion, back pain, feeling like you had a strained muscle in your chest or in your back. They can even have dizziness or upper abdomen pain, lightheadedness or fainting, or even extreme fatigue. Unfortunately, a lot of women often chalk up these symptoms to less life-threatening conditions like heartburn or acid reflux, the flu, or really normal aging. Women are also more frequently engaged in caring for their families and other family duties and will put those before their own health. So that's why it's very important to make notice of these symptoms. And if they're concerning or frequent, then see your medical provider about that. Also, some women can brush these symptoms under the rug as well because they are fearful of what they could mean. So that's why it's very important to have a relationship with your primary care provider so you can talk through some of these fears. Even though I did just run down a whole list of symptoms that women can have, it is known that as much as 60 or more percent of women who have unfortunately passed away suddenly from heart disease can have no previous symptoms at all. And that may sound super scary, but it's also another reason why we have to be very vigilant about our health care. A lot of women are shocked when they're told that they could be having a heart attack. So that's why, again, these symptoms that may seem like they're minor, if they're frequent, definitely talk about them with your medical provider. Another thing that's important to bring up is having an advocate with you when you're seeing a medical provider, just because it's very easy for some of these symptoms to be explained away by less concerning things like I mentioned before. What we call atypical chest pain symptoms in women, which are some of the things I mentioned before, can be easily explained away by some other symptoms. So if it's concerning to you, make sure that that's known to your medical provider.
0: that's so important to hear, Dr. Jasmine. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about is, let's just say you are at home and begin to have some chest pain. Number one, make sure you seek appropriate care urgently. If you're having a heart attack, that is something that we consider emergent. Oftentimes, if you get to the hospital within a certain amount of time, you can be given medications. You may also be taken urgently to the heart catheterization lab where they would be able to open up a blood vessel if you have a blockage. So that's why I say it's an emergency. That isn't always the case, but they can do tests to determine if they need to really move expeditiously for you. When you present to the emergency department, you will explain that you are having chest pain. Understand that there are a lot of moving pieces here when you get into the healthcare setting. Often your vital signs will be taken. That would include your blood pressure and your heart rate. And then there will also be labs to be drawn to see if there's any evidence of any heart damage. That blood test specifically is called a troponin level. It's also very important to do an electrocardiogram or an EKG. If you take the ambulance to the hospital, oftentimes they'll be able to do that while you're on the ambulance, and sometimes they can transmit that electronically to the hospital so that they will have it prior to your arrival. What that EKG does is shows your heart rhythm, and it can give a clue as to what blood vessel might be affected if you're having a heart attack. Then once you get to the emergency room, you'll see an emergency room doctor. You may also see a heart specialist or a cardiologist, and you may need to have some additional tests, such as a stress test or a cardiac catheterization, which I mentioned earlier. Usually the cardiac catheterization is a test where they would go in to a blood vessel and be able to go up to the heart to view if there are any blocked arteries in the heart blood vessels. If they identify a blockage, then that can often be opened up, or you can have what they call angioplasty, or they may also place a heart stint. And you will typically be admitted to the hospital for some additional monitoring. So understand if, in fact, you do have a heart attack, that there are going to be a number of things that will have to happen once you are in the hospital. You will also be required to take medications to help keep your blood pressure at a healthy range. If you require a stent in the heart, then you may have to take blood thinners or antiplatelet medications. And very often you're also on a medication that would lower your cholesterol. You may also be referred to a cardiac rehabilitation center or a specialized program to assist you and to help strengthen your heart in becoming stronger and improving your functional capabilities. So overall, a heart attack or a myocardial infarction is a very serious condition and you should not delay seeking treatment because it's considered emergent.
2: Absolutely. And these lifestyle modifications that have to occur after a heart attack are very, very important. Like Dr. LaTanya just mentioned, these cardiac rehab programs, unbelievably themselves, just participating in these programs alone can decrease your risk of having a second heart attack by half. So this is definitely worth your time because of how much it can affect your future health. There are, like Dr. Latanya mentioned, some lifestyle modifications that you can do after your first heart attack in order to decrease your risk of having another heart attack. One, as we've mentioned before, is to change your diet. And a lot of people think about diets as the diets you do when you're 20 years old in order to lose weight in preparation for a wedding or something. Those are kind of quick diets where you're trying to lose a certain amount of weight and then you go back to your normal eating. That's not what we mean here. When we say change your diet, Think about this as a lifestyle change. You will decrease the amount of salt that's in your diet, decrease your portion sizes. And this is something that you change from here on. This isn't something that you'll do for a short period of time. This is a new way of eating, basically. Decrease the amount of fried foods that you eat, try more baked or grilled foods, as well as roasted foods instead. Roasting your vegetables rather than frying them is really important. Avoid high sugars or high fat foods because these can also kind of worsen your overall heart health and can cause you to gain quite a bit of weight, which we mentioned before that obesity is one of those risk factors. Increase the amount of water that you drink. In general, Americans don't drink enough water. We drink a lot of high sugar, high calorie drinks like sodas and that sort of thing. We don't drink a lot of water and drinking water alone or substituting water For these high sugar, high calorie drinks can decrease your weight alone. I remember a patient who came into my office and she was coming in because she had a lot of excess skin. And our plastic surgeon was planning to do a tummy tuck to remove that extra skin after her weight loss, but she also had a hernia at her belly button. And so she was sent to me in order to get her hernia fixed while he did the tummy tuck. I asked her, you know, just out of curiosity, well, what did you do to lose your weight? And she said, I lost the first 50 pounds by just not drinking sodas anymore. And she stopped. She just drank water and lost 50 pounds. And then she added in some physical activity, which got her a few more pounds removed. And after she knew it about a year or two later, she had lost over 90 pounds. And so she had this extra skin and this is great for her. She said she didn't have to do any crazy workouts and crazy diet changes. There were a few things that she overdid it with with her diet that got her the weight loss that she needed. That's an extreme example, but it is definitely worth mentioning. Also look at other ways, things we call diets, but you can do them as long-term, like the Mediterranean diet or the DASH diet. You can Google those in order to get more details about what they are. But they tend to focus more on fruits, vegetables, whole grains, fish, and poultry, like chicken. The other thing you can do as a lifestyle modification is exercise. And I mentioned this before. Typically, you want to have at least three to four exercises per week. And you want to get your heart rate a little over 120 or 130 beats per minute. Some people do that by wearing some sort of tech that shows them how high their heart rate is getting. Some people get on a treadmill and you can hold on to the rails and it'll calculate your heart rate. But generally, if you don't want to use all of that high tech in order to show that, as long as you're doing pretty significant workout that's getting you a little out of breath, then you're probably getting there or close to it. And so three to four times per week for about 30 minutes is what you want, minimum. You also want to manage your other medical conditions really well, because if you're not taking care of your high cholesterol, you're going to have more issues with your heart. Or If you're not taking care of your other kidney disease, that's not going to be good for your heart. So take care of your other medical conditions as well. And that helps your overall medical situation. After a heart attack, like Dr. Latanya mentioned, you'll likely be prescribed new medications. And it's really important that you take these, your blood thinners if you get stents, any new medicines for your blood pressure, for diabetes or for high cholesterol. And then another thing that's worth mentioning that a lot of doctors don't talk about is how important it is if you develop any things that you may consider side effects of the medications. Don't just stop taking the medication and not mention it to your doctor. If you think you're having a side effect, make sure your doctor is aware of it because sometimes it can be related to one medication or the other, and they can change you to a different one that won't cause you the side effect and you still get the benefit of the drug. Also make sure you're keeping up with your medical appointments so they can stay on top of your health conditions.
1: That was a great overview, and I think that's a lot of helpful information. I want to mention that if you have had a heart attack before and have similar symptoms to your previous heart attack episode, see your doctor immediately because it could be a sign that you are at risk for another heart attack. Also, if you or someone you know has had any of the symptoms we've discussed today, please seek medical attention with your primary care provider. Or if you're actively having these symptoms right now and think that you may be having a heart attack, go to your nearest emergency room for immediate care. Just to sum up the episode, it is important to know that most heart attack and stroke events quoted to be as high as 80% can be prevented by education and lifestyle changes. So I hope that this episode was really helpful to educating everyone about some of the risk factors, signs and symptoms, as well as lifestyle modifications that can prevent heart attacks or cardiac events in the future. If you want to learn more information about heart disease and heart disease prevention, check out the American Heart Association's websites, heart.org or goreadforwomen.org. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Please check out this and other episodes on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Subscribe to our podcast so that you will be the first to know about our new episodes that are available each Wednesday. Until next time.
0: The music on the Doctors Washington podcast is by artist Mike Burton. He's a Jackson, Mississippi native on his album Soulful, and the track is entitled All Right. It is available on iTunes.